Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Revolution broadcast this is the next generation of talk now this is the drive at 5 30 minutes of non-stop talk with rich zioli governor phil murphy king philip the unaccountable his royal rugness makes dead whale jokes and also tries to impose the highest business taxes in the country welcome back to the show glad you're here today 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Thank you for being here today. We appreciate it very, very much. Uh, we have a great guest joining us, and I want to get right over to our great guest. Matt, if you can grab uh, James Comer just spoke a few moments ago. We'll come and back to that in just a moment. Um, Regina Agia is joining us now. Regina is a friend of mine for many, many years in Jersey politics. She's also the president of the Garden State Initiative, and she served as chief of staff to former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Regina, how are you today? I'm great, Rich. It's nice to be on with you again. Nice to be on with you. Nice to see you at that uh, Zoom political call we had a few weeks ago. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, Alan Ashkenazi always does a great job putting that group together. So that was terrific. He uh, does. You- he does. It's a very reliable group. It is. Uh, yeah, a lot of great conservative voices and, and great discussion. I always I always enjoy it. I really do. Were you in Trenton yesterday for the governor's speech? I was, actually. We were uh, filming several legislators' comments uh, for a podcast we'll be um, uh, delivering in the next week or two. All right. Now, um, let's go over the basics here of what Murphy's trying to do. As I understand it, he is looking to impose some of the highest business taxes in the entire country. Is that correct? Uh, number one, actually, in the country, Rich, now. Number one. Number one. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. By far, by the way, we're the only one in double digits now. The only state in the country that would have double digits for, for taxes against businesses. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
And I guess I guess the, the, <laughs> I guess the question I have to ask then, Regina, is is why on earth would would we want to go through with this, knowing that we're talking about a ten million dollar threshold? These businesses don't have to stay in New Jersey. There are many of other states out there that are trying to lure businesses to their states with incredible incentives. So why would we go down this road? Well, it's you know a, a, a mystery in terms of the Trenton math that would lead the governor to uh, this conclusion, because it's it's actually even more uh, punitive than <clears throat> than just the business community. It is targeted at our largest employers in the state. To your point, right? It's anybody, any company that earns more than ten million dollars a year. So these are you know the Amazons, the WalMarts, the Wakeferns you know, one of our, our best employers in the state. And, you know, this sense of stronger and fairer has just gone too far. And the notion that the uh, business community not only should be targeted this way, but I think equally important, Rich, that everyone needs to understand is they're essentially putting the business community on the hook for New Jersey transit. This is considered a dedicated funding source. And the amount they're expecting to come in from this tax won't even cover the gap that New Jersey Transit is going to have next week. So, excuse me, next year. And so, you know, what we all ought to realize is, you know, the business is being targeted today. But believe me, they're coming after all of us because this won't be enough and they'll need more money. I thought Murphy's whale joke was so incredibly crass. I mean, you know, as our friend Jeanette Hoffman put it, if a Republican had made that joke, it would have been national news. Yeah, well, you know, I was born and raised along the beach uh, in Monmouth County, so I was particularly insulted that there would be such a, you know, both cavalier attitude as well as dismissive of really a large representation of our constituents in the state. You know, wh- whether, you know, he wants to um, support it is one thing, but to be that insulting, I think, to an audience that, um, you know, obviously includes people who are very concerned about this. I thought it showed great, uh, you know, a real tin ear, as we like to say. Yeah, and the joke bombed. I mean, it, it bombed big time. Let's play it one yeah. more time, Matt, if we could, just uh, in case anyone's just joining us now. This is uh, uh, King Philip the Unaccountable, his royal rugness, uh, making a, a very crass dead whale joke during his budget address yesterday in Trenton. Hey, I'm not getting any more complaints. There must be no whales 40 miles offshore. Making sure you're paying attention out there because I am. <clears throat> and once these wind yeah. turbines Shecky, are complete, Shecky Mur- thank you, Shecky Murphy. I mean, un- un- unbelievable there. Just completely not, not not knowing how to read the room. Yeah, yeah, that's it's exactly right. It, you know, it is a, um, a subject that is just growing in importance in terms of broad energy, but also the desire for people to be heard. And you know, what that shows is. He's completely turning a deaf ear to a large portion of his constituents. And I, I really don't understand it. And, you know, a lot of people shaking their heads in the room. Yeah, because these the we'll get back to the business taxes in just a moment. But the, these wind turbines, I mean, yeah. in addition to killing whales and dolphins, we I mean, historic numbers that we've never seen before ever. And like you, I, I, I grew up going to the Jersey Shore. Um, the, the massive investment that's required here for the taxpayers and the ratepayers to have to pay for this. Uh, is enormous. I mean, this project cannot get underground, cannot get underway, I mean, without billions of dollars, essentially, in subsidies and also in hiking all of our, our the fees that we pay for energy. Well, we'll see if it actually does get underway. As you know, they did a second award to a different, um, you know, company. And um, 
my understanding is, well, number one, we all know they haven't told us exactly how much it's going to cost the risk pay, right? But more importantly, my understanding is the contract that they let out to the second provider is actually more expensive than the one that was let out to Orsted. So, you know, things are only getting worse in terms of the cost and the, um, frankly, the irresponsibility of the current administration and giving, uh, you know, any due to anyone who's care, who is concerned about, you know, the, the burden of cost in our state, not just taxes, but, you know, we're talking about energy. We pay higher energy, you know, prices than the average in the United States. We pay, you know, higher tolls, higher, um, you know, rates for just about everything in our state. And, you know, it just doesn't seem to be uh, any difference. And I think important about this budget, just go back to that for a minute, um, you know, Rich, is that this budget is indicative of the attitude of just no plowing all our problems. This budget doesn't solve any problem that we've got in the state. And it's leaving really an even bigger mess for the next governor when they come in in 2025. He is increasing spending by another $1 billion. Regina, we're already paying the highest property taxes in the country. We have families here that are struggling just to survive in this state. He's increasing business taxes. I mean, this is getting to the point now where unless you are really in the in the high income levels, you're just not going to simply be able to afford to live in New Jersey anymore. Well, arguably, that's already true, right? I mean, yeah. I, I believe, as I said before, you know, nobody's going to be safe from these taxes over the next two years because they won't be able to afford to continue to spend at the rate they are. And increasing, to your point, Right. Spending is up 60 percent in the last six years. I mean, I don't know anybody who is able to sustain that level of of increase in spending. And, you know, what's going to happen is taxes are going to go up on, you know, one hundred thousand dollars and above families. And that is even below middle class in our state in many parts in terms of able to survive. So I'm I'm confident that the taxes are going to go up on income, are going to go up on sales. They're going to, not going to be able to resist re- raising sales tax next year, more likely. And property taxes, there's nothing to abate. In fact, did you see, Rich, that now there's a proposal to lift the 2% cap to 3% cap because they just can't you know, stand to be restrained in any way in spending? Uh, well, I mean, I'm not surprised by that because, you know, God forbid government should have to live within some sort of means in any way, shape or form. Regina Agia is with me. She is the president of the Garden State Initiative, and it's a great conservative organization dedicated to public policy research to make New Jersey a place where businesses and families can once again thrive. Regina, I, I, I'm looking at all this and I'm looking at your, your Twitter account as well. And as you put it, you know, this new tax is also going to blindside our state's job creators. It's going to also make it harder, I think, for companies to recruit good employees, because if, if an employee knows that they, they have to live in New Jersey, which is already such an incredibly expensive place, that's going to be another challenge for them. Now they're going to have to pay the highest business taxes in the country. And on top of all of that, we're also dealing with other problems, too, that are put on us by New York. I mean, in North Jersey, thank God down in Philadelphia, you don't have to worry about this. But, you know, they have that congestion tax pricing they're talking about. It's getting to the point now where if you're a business owner, and again, we're only talking about a $10 million threshold. It's really not that much in terms of being a big business. That's not that big, $10 million. Mm-hmm. You, you're getting lured by North Carolina. You're getting lured by Georgia, you know, Florida, Texas. They're saying, come come here. We'll, we'd love to have you. We'll give you all kinds of incentives. You can come and your employees want to 
have to pay income taxes. And then we also have the stupid plastic bag ban, which is still going on, which is insane because I keep forgetting my bags and going into Wegmans and having to carry out my stuff like I'm stealing everything, which I'm not, by the way, for the record. <laughs> okay, so a couple of things in, in what, you, what you just said. Um, I guarantee you that multiple businesses got phone calls today from other states telling them exactly what you just described, that, the, you know, expanding their business in their state will be more attractive than New Jersey. I guarantee that to your, to your point. And I'll validate what you said at the start, too, about uh, recruiting people. Business leaders have told me explicitly they cannot recruit the top talent anymore into our state because of the cost of living and people have better choices in terms of both um, the combination of quality and cost of living along with good jobs. Actually, I think really Murphy, I'm sorry, go ahead, Regina. I didn't mean to break, interrupt there. No, no, no. I I was just saying, you know, it's already here in terms of the inability uh, to recruit the talent that, you know, we say we've got in the state. I think it's leaking out. And I think it, it's showing up in both ways, people leaving as well as not being able to recruit as you were saying. That's all I was going to ask. You, you sat down with one of my friends, Senator Mike Testa, who's a, a great guy, represents South Jersey in the state Senate, strong conservative voice. What was his reaction to the budget address? You know, appalled, as we all are, honestly. But, you know, Mike is a really articulate and a well-reasoned representative, I think, for, for South Jersey. And he addresses, I think, uh, you know, a variety of issues, including, you know, the wind turbines, the fiscal irresponsibility, as well as some of the social programs that, you know, are really, you know, something that I'm not sure the majority of New Jerseyans want. And, you know, he, you know, spoke to that. How are we expecting anyone to endure especially in South Jersey, where you endure, actually in South Jersey, the same gas tax rates, some of the same energy rates, but you don't get the return, right, that a lot of the rest of the state does, especially on the gas tax and the toll ta- tolls that come in, because there's just not the infrastructure from transit and from the roads that we have in the north. So you get hit twice, and not only do you pay all these high taxes in South Jersey, but you don't even get the return. And Mike is a really articulate representative of that, and I think he's really trying to make that case every day in the legislature. Do you think that Murphy has enough support among the Democrats to get this tax uh, tax hike through? You know, I saw a couple of comments uh, that were very, they were really equivocating um, of so- South Jersey, because it, it's interesting that the Democrats in the South Jersey tend to be more um, small business uh, individuals, have more, um, you know, uh, family-owned farms in their districts. They're actually more sensitive uh, at times, and they were more equivocal, I thought, equivocating a bit more. And so I'm not sure it's enough to stop it, but I do think that um, there's – it was a proposal, and I think he was careful – Governor Murphy now – he was careful to say this is a proposal, so he didn't lead with his chin on this. Um, But, you know, they're going to come back to some other tax. Taxes are going to go up rich and every everybody's listening ought to understand that it's really just a question of who's the target this year and then who's going to be targeting next year unfortunately i think i think murphy's doing this because he wants to run for president and i think he's just trying to to move so far to the left on all these issues it's why he's doubling down on the windmills it's why he's doubling down on taxes i mean he he uh, has massive ambitions his wife is running for the united states senate uh, they want to be the new Clintons, and it's it's so obvious to me that Murphy is trying to embrace every every left leaning policy he possibly can. 
Well, there's a, a lot of local speculation about Radical Motivation being more about the current uh, name on the ballot this year than um, you know, the subsequent ambition that he's got. But I, I do agree with you. And, you know, it would be different. Uh, you know, the comparison to Clinton's, I think, is a little, um, um, you know, demeaning to the Clintons because, I mean, their credentials <laughs> were, were pretty strong. <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, his wife is using uh, state state resources to help advance her U.S. Senate campaign. I mean, they, they're putting out press releases acting like she's an elected official as she comments on things and comments on bills and proposes legislation. They had Tammy Murphy, the first lady of New Jersey, doing radio spots paid for by the state tax dollars. It's really, uh, I think, a, a gigantic political scandal that's not getting nearly enough attention. Well, you know, actually, um, I think it should get more. I think the, the media in general, you know, saving your show and a few others, um, really don't want to get into the tangled mess, you know, that is being created. But I do think, you know, Representative Kim is showing that there is a grassroots disaffection uh, with what's going on. And I think it's fascinating to be watching these county committee uh, meetings and the results of them. I'm sure you are watching them very closely. And so it's going to be a very interesting primary season for, uh, I think, the, the governor's wife. Yeah, no question about it. We'll see if um, the power of the king uh, has the kind of legs to be able to help his wife get into the United States Senate. Because I think one thing is clear is that um, in terms of Bob Menendez's political future, he may not be going anywhere. I mean, he should be removed from the committee. It's ridiculous that he's still getting classified briefings regarding some of the very countries that he's alleged to have helped by betraying the United States of America to enrich himself. But he's not he's not going to get the the party nomination to be the U.S. senator. Um, but that doesn't mean he's going to step aside. He may, he may still fight. So I, I know New Jersey is a tough state for Republicans, but if ever w- there was a year, I'd say this is the year to go for it. No question about it. The Garden State Initiative, Regina Agia. Regina, thank you for joining me on the show. Where can people follow you and learn more about the great work you're doing? Well, thanks. Yes, we at GardenStateInitiative.org uh, in terms of our web, and we are on Twitter as well as Facebook at uh, GSI New Jersey. So um, please look for us, and you can go under my name as well and find all of our handles, uh, Regina, Egea, E-G-E-A. Rich, thanks so much for having me on, and I you know, wish it were a better story I was on to talk about, but I look forward to another time coming on uh, to speak with you again. Well, you know what you do? Come down and join us when we're in Cape May. We're going to be live at the Grand Hotel for five shows this year, including May 3rd. The windmill topic always comes up. I'm sure all these topics are going to come up. At least we can talk about it over a cocktail. Great. I'd love to do that. Thanks, Rich. I'll put it on my calendar. Thank you, Regina. Appreciate it very much. It's the 5 o'clock happy hour. On the Rich Seoli Show. Brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. A premier full-service resort and conference center. GrandHotelCapeMay.com. All right, there's a bunch of breaking news that just happened in the last five minutes. Uh, The United States Supreme Court, as I suspected, is going to take up the Trump immunity case. Good, good. I I mean, I I would have been shocked if they didn't. But as you remember, D.C. Circuit Court, three-judge panel, ruled that Donald Trump does not have immunity for his actions as president related to January 6th. They said he could be criminally charged. This would open up a... I mean, it would, it, would, it would destroy this country if that's the case. If presidents are allowed to be held criminally liable for their actions while in office, 
First thing I brought up many times is Barack Obama drone strikes, killing American citizens without due process, charge him with murder. Some attorney general, some U.S. attorney who wants to make a name for himself, charging Obama with murder. I mean, it's a ridiculous analogy, but yet it's an accurate analogy if you can hold presidents criminally liable for their actions in office. So the United States Supreme Court is going to take the case, thank God, because if the D.C. Circuit Court case stood, if that decision stood, every single former president would wind up being criminally charged with something. Presidents have to skirt the lines so many times, and you just cannot have a case where they can be held criminally liable. The only way to deal with a president who has abused the law, abused his office, is Congress and the impeachment clause. And I'm sorry, but if it happens and Congress is unaware of it and the president leaves office, it's the uh, it's the tough noogies clause of the Constitution. You don't get to go back and then charge the president criminally because Congress was unable to convict him in an impeachment or even impeach him. But let's not forget something either, which is that Donald Trump was impeached over January 6th and he was acquitted by the United States Senate. So the only time that the issue was ever put to a vote Donald Trump won that vote and was acquitted. So the idea then that you could defy Congress, defy Article 1 of the impeachment powers that Congress has to then turn around and say we can still charge the president criminally even if Congress has acquitted the president during the course of an impeachment is so egregious to the Constitution and destroys the impeachment clause. But regardless of that, even if there is no impeachment, to go back and charge a president for actions that are now viewed to be criminal when at the time they were at best either something that Congress could have done something about if it wanted to or the president acting in what he believed at the time was within the confines of his powers. To then go back and charge him criminally to try to put that person in prison would mean, and I'm telling you this, every single former president would wind up in prison, would wind up at least being charged, if not in prison, would at least wind up being charged criminally by some attorney general or some United States attorney. So I believe the Supreme Court is going to step in and they are going to absolutely overturn the D.C. Circuit's opinion. But more importantly, the question needs to be answered. When is a president's actions considered to be part of their official duties and when is it the president acting in his own capacity because that question remains something as well in my opinion the court should simply say that's up to congress there's your answer the united states supreme court should come back and say it's beyond the scope of this court to determine what is a private action by a president and what is the president doing his uh, the course of his duties it is left to Congress to make that determination under Article 1 of the Impeachment Clause. It's not up to us. We don't get a say in this. It's up to the Congress. The founders left it very broad. Bribery, high crimes, and other misdemeanors, that's how they left it, broad for a reason. It's Congress's discretion based on the elected representatives of the people and the United States Senate to determine if the president has abused his powers, Period. So I hope the court just simply comes back and says, you cannot hold presidents criminally liable. That's insane. It's why we have an impeachment clause of the Constitution. And secondly, it's not up to this court to determine what is a president's official actions and when the president is not acting in his official capacity. Because, listen, Donald Trump giving a speech on January 6th 
and the argument by Jack Smith, the lunatic special prosecutor hell-bent on getting him, that Trump was not acting in his capacity as president, I disagree. Presidents use the bully pulpit all the time to advocate for issues, and that's what Donald Trump was doing on January 6th. You don't have to agree with him, but he was well within his rights as president to use the bully pulpit to advocate for something he wanted Congress to do. Presidents do it all the time. And he wanted, in this case, the American people to march to the Capitol peacefully and to have the Congress over, not overturned, but to send the election results back to the states, as was the law under the Electoral Count Act that applied on January 6th of 2021. Let's understand a couple facts here. Number one, Donald Trump never had to say, we'll march to the Capitol peacefully. There's nothing in the First Amendment that requires you to put in a peaceful disclaimer when you're when you're giving political rhetoric. Nothing. There's no disclaimer that exists in the Constitution that requires that. That's number one. Number two, Donald Trump did what presidents do all the time. He wanted Congress to take an action. He advocated for that action. He has no power to do anything about it. So he told the people to tell their representatives to do something about it. And that's what presidents do. Every single day, Joe Biden did it again today, talking about wanting an assault weapons ban, whatever the hell an assault weapon is. He talked about it again today. He wants the American people to call their representatives and let them know. The third point is that Donald Trump argues that he was acting in his capacity. He took an oath under the Constitution, Article 2, to take care that the laws are faithfully executed. And he had to make sure that the election laws of this country were faithfully executed as they apply on the federal level. But either way, if we're going to get into this issue now where a president can be criminally charged after he leaves office for something that he did while he was in office, the first person I want charged is Barack Hussein Obama with murder, four counts of murder. He, he, he killed four American citizens. He said they were terrorists. How do we know they were terrorists? We have to take his word for it. There was no trial in absentia. Constitution's pretty clear. You got to have due process before you can take away somebody's life, liberty, or property. There was no due process. Barack Obama argued that he had the power to do so. They wrote an executive memorandum, his lawyers, saying that the president was fully within his rights to order those deaths, to order those assassinations of American citizens on foreign soil. That question's never been resolved by the courts or by Congress. Now, at the time, Congress did not think Barack Obama did anything wrong. They did not impeach him over it. But using the logic of the D.C. Circuit Court, who cares? If I'm the United States attorney for the state where one of those men lived, I'm going to bring charges. And I'm going to say that he murdered a resident of my state. Or if I become Donald Trump's attorney general, which obviously I'm not going to do because I'm not an attorney. Not that you have to be one, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to order an investigation. And I want Barack Obama charged with murder. Because I have to set an example to the American people that you just don't kill American citizens who use suspect of terrorism. Presidents don't have the power to order assassinations, period. And while I'm at it, I might charge uh, Joe Biden with dereliction of duty because he's allowed this invasion of the southern border. So I'm going to charge him with an insurrection and chaos and an accessory to murder of the young woman who was just murdered by that illegal immigrant who should have been deported. I'm going to charge Joe Biden as an accessory after the fact to her murder because he's enabled the open border. See how insane this would be? 
See how, how crazy this would be for America if that were to happen? The foundation of this republic would absolutely crumble. It would crumble. Presidents would not be able to do their job. They'd be terrified to do their job. Knowing that they have to sometimes skirt the law, skirt the line, and they could be in a position where they could be held criminally liable. My opinion is, and I have obviously not heard the oral arguments yet, although I will be fascinated that day. And mark my words, whatever that day is, Matt, do we know the date the Supreme Court is going to take the case up? I haven't seen a date yet. All right. As soon as that date is posted, I am doing nothing but sitting home in my boxers watching C-SPAN with a gigantic bowl of popcorn. Okay, not just in my boxers, but... but. It's supposed to be early March, but I don't have a specific date. Well, I'm doing nothing that day. Carve out the day. (laughs) Give me my C-SPAN. I want my C-SPAN, a beer, my boxers, some popcorn... And I'm going to be I'm going to be listening to those oral arguments because you can't watch them. There's no cameras in the Supreme Court, but I'm going to be listening to every single word of that um, of that case. Fascinating. Wow. So much. Uh, Here's James Comer reacting to Hunter Biden today testifying on Capitol Hill. Take a listen. Uh, Deposition still ongoing. I have a bill on the House floor. I'm going to run across the street. Uh, Republicans are are still uh, currently asking questions. But uh, I think this was a great deposition for us. Uh, it proved several bits of our evidence uh, that we've been uh, conducting throughout this investigation. Uh, but there are also some contradictory statements that I think need further review. Uh, so this impeachment inquiry will now go to the next phase, which will be a public hearing. And that's something that I think uh, everyone in the media has been uh, asking a lot of questions about, uh, something that I know that uh, Mr. Biden and his attorney both demanded. Uh, Just as I said, uh, when we said we were going to do the deposition first, we will have a public hearing next. So I think that the public hearing hopefully will clear up some discrepancies uh, between some of the statements that were made between some of the associates and what we heard today. But all in all, I'm very optimistic, uh, very excited about this deposition. Uh, and I look forward to releasing the transcripts as soon as both sides agree to that. Hopefully that'll be within the next two or three days. Thank you. Audrey. Good. Excellent. Can't wait to hear him. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Um, Matt, what, what did you just text me about Anwar Al-Alaki? Oh, yeah. So to your point, Charlie Dent, uh, who I believe was on the House Homeland um, Security Commission at the time, he, uh, yeah, he was. Um, so he actually suggested that the administration and Congress remove Anwar al-Awlaki's citizenship from him so that any act by the Obama administration wouldn't be violative of his constitutionally guaranteed rights. But that resolution never was acted upon. As far as I know, uh, all they ended up doing was revoking his passport, which obviously doesn't also uh, equate to a a revocation of, um, of constitutionally guaranteed rights. Right. That's an excellent point you make. And so the, 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 the point that Charlie Dent was making at the time was, look, uh, you're killing an American. He has the guaranteed rights in the Constitution that no one can be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process. There's no due process here. You say he's a terrorist. we got to take your word for it. But you're killing the guy. If presidents are allowed to be criminally charged, all it takes is one United States attorney or one United States attorney general to turn around and say, we believe Barack Obama committed murder. He killed an American citizen. It doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if if Barack Obama was acting correctly to preserve national security. It's all in the interpretation of the prosecutor. 
And then the prosecutor is going to make those charges and then he's going to file that and it's going to go to court and you're going to drag Barack Obama onto the stand or I mean, he doesn't have to testify. Obviously, he's got protections against self-incrimination, but you're going to have a, a trial trial of Barack Hussein Obama. Did he did he commit murder by ordering the assassinations of Anwar al-Awlaki and three other American citizens while they were on foreign soil? And we'll have to question, what what intelligence did you have that he was actually a terrorist? And, well, it's classified. Well, you better share it with the court because um, we got to determine if you committed murder or not. And then maybe they'll just get him on manslaughter. Who knows? What an absolutely crazy, crazy door that would open. Uh, it'll be the week of April 22nd. That's fine. That means then that I will be doing nothing that week, April 22nd. <laughs> That, of course, means that, yes, as Shannon Bream points out, the Jack Smith January 6th case is on hold in the meantime. And there is no way that Jack Smith's case is ever going to actually be heard because the Supreme Court still has to decide on. They got to hear the case in April. Then they have to decide on the case. Then we're getting into the summer. We're getting into the conventions. The Department of Justice has an unwritten rule where you don't bring trials 90 days before an election. So the, 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 the January 6th case is done. The Georgia case is done. It's over. It's all over. I mean, Trump is going to be the nominee. Trump is not going to be going to prison. They're not going to be able to get him behind bars. Much of the Democrats chagrin. And that is the latest on that. All right. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. If you would like to weigh in on everything we are discussing today. Let me tell you about NJ Diet. You can lose some real, real weight with NJ Diet. NJDiet.com. Lose the weight for good and feel great. 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days with NJDiet.com. There are locations close by you in King of Prussia, Newark, Delaware, Cherry Hill, and Princeton. Or online with live online video consultations at NJDiet.com. You know the reason why it works? Because it's based on your body chemistry. There's no shots, no hormones, no drugs, no side effects. None of that stuff. A lot of that stuff can be very, very dangerous for you long term. And NJ Diet works even, even faster than most of those things anyway. So don't wait. Spring is here. Spring training. I was watching the Phillies game last night. It felt so great to know that any minute now we're going to be taking off the coats and taking off the sweaters and we're going to be enjoying the warm weather again. You can be looking great. 20 to 40 pounds of fat gone, guaranteed with NJ Diet. So don't wait. You can do this. You get the doctor's personal email, doctor's personal phone number, and they're there with you every step of the way. NJDiet.com and lose the weight. For good. It's the Rich Zioli Show. Live from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Glad you are here today. Big day with the big news that Mitch McConnell will no longer be the Senate Minority Leader. Uh, here to talk about it with me, a very, very, I'd say, savvy D.C. insider and an all-around great guy. Phil Kirpin is president of American Commitment. You can follow him on Twitter at Kirpin. Phil, how are you today? 
I'm pretty good, but uh, I don't know. DC Insider is a bit of an insult, I think. I mean, I do live here, but uh, <laughs> I think the insiders still hate me, so I don't know. No, they do hate you. That's, uh, that's the truth. They really do. But that's a badge of honor, so wear it well, my friend. Wear it well. Uh, and speaking of D.C. swamp creatures, I see congressional leaders just uh, did another stopgap measure to avert a partial shutdown. What, did you, what, what do you got for us on that? Well, um, April 30th is the magical date. Uh, we get to April 30th and we get automatic across-the-board spending cuts, which would be a good thing. Uh, so every time they kick the can a little bit, I think, okay, maybe we'll get to the spending cuts because we, you know, thanks to the genius of Thomas Massey, uh, for once, uh, kicking the can actually helps us instead of hurting us. So we'll see what happens. So usually I would tell you it's bad because it means there's going to be some giant omnibus or whatever, but, and maybe that'll happen. But uh, we have the possibility at least that you know, their usual failure to get their job done could actually benefit taxpayers for once and result in automatic spending cuts. So that's the, that's the optimistic take. We'll see. That's a great take, actually, and I think that that gives us some real hope there. And I don't think a lot of people realize that, because as soon as I heard it, I thought the same thing. I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be another massive omnibus bill. And, yeah, you're right. That well, it might be. Happen. It might be, Rich. We'll sure, see. right, we'll yeah. Um, Mitch McConnell obviously announcing today stepping down as Senate Minority Leader. What, uh, what's your sense of why, the, why today? Why, why of all days today? Well, uh, he had another one of his freezing episodes last week, and uh, they're becoming so frequent now that they don't even really make news anymore, uh, which is uh, kind of a little bit scarier than the first couple of times it happened, and it was a big deal, because it's kind of like this is just a normal thing now for the leader of Senate Republicans to kind of freeze up. And I think that, uh, you know, he knows that uh, he's not really at this point at age 81 or 82, whatever he is, up to kind of the day-to-day being the lead guy. Uh, the interesting thing is he's going to stay in the position through the end of the year, which is kind of, uh, I guess he thinks he can continue to do it at least that long, which is, you know, I, I, when, when the rumors first broke, I thought he was going to, like, step down today as majority leader, which, of course, is not what he did. So, look, I mean, I think he's, he's there 17 years. He's the longest, uh, you know, Senate leader, I think, ever, certainly on the Republican side. Um, and he's getting up there in years. You know, the other thing that's interesting about this, Rich, is he's the uh, – He's like basically the same age as the president and wants another four-year term, which I also think is helpful to us to kind of highlight the difference. It's like Pelosi retires at this age, McConnell retires at this age. Biden says, uh, you know, give me, give me another presidential term at basically the same age. So I, I think a part of it might be kind of helping make that case. But I, I just think, um, you know, he, he, was the, he was the man for a long time in terms of, you know, if he was the guy on your side, you were probably going to win, and it was great. As conservatives, of course, a lot of times he wasn't on our side, and then, you know, that's one of the reasons we've lost a lot of these policy fights, but and there was really nobody more effective at doing what he wanted to do. The problem was it wasn't always what we wanted, right. uh, but I, I certainly think he was the man for a long time, and, you know, he'd certainly, I think by the last couple of years, he'd lost a few miles off the fastball, and uh, of late, uh, you know, he's been freezing in front of the cameras from time to time and, and sort of, you know, the lost more than a few miles. And so I think it was time. Um, I don't know why specifically today. I mean, I'm not, you know, maybe we'll get some, some journalist insider take on that, but those are usually fake anyway. So I, I'm not sure we'll ever really know exactly why, but um, I don't think anyone's really saying, oh, it's too soon. <laughs> so Yeah. No, 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 not at all. And I think um, I, I think really he's he's gone so far out on a limb here on Ukraine funding, even saying it was his highest priority. 
to the detriment of the border at a time when Republicans are, are feeling a lot of pressure from voters saying, listen, you got to do something about the border. The border. Ukraine is not our biggest concern right now. I, I think if you ask the average Kentuckian, they would say the border is much more of, a, of, a, of an issue for them than Ukraine funding is. So I think I think McConnell really also lost touch with so many of the conservatives that are that are in the Senate. I mean, granted, he, he kind of did a long time ago, but but this is really, I think, highlighting a, a spotlight on this. The fact that you've got McConnell and Schumer and Biden and Kamala Harris tag teaming Mike Johnson to get him to go along with Ukraine funding um, without anything on the border uh, happening at the White House yesterday. I mean, that's that, that that just shows you everything right there. That's the problem, I think, of where he is at this point in his career. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that. Um I think it was pretty clear he wasn't going to run for re-election again for a while. Uh, for all you know, I mean, if he had any interest in sort of the political opinions back home anymore, then you're absolutely right. He wouldn't have been saying consistently the number one priority of uh, you know Senate Republicans is Ukraine funding. And he said he said that not once or twice. He said it pretty consistently. So I mean, yeah. I, I think that um, you know he's been in kind of legacy mode. And I think a lot of times when uh, you know senators get to kind of towards the end of their service, they they like to think almost all foreign policy all the time, because they think about themselves as like, you know, the grand strategist on the world stage and all that kind of thing. And of course, um, it's very rare for most voters to think about foreign policy. I mean, they, they do to a certain extent, but I mean, it's uh, people almost always vote on economics, uh, and, you know, and, and cultural issues as well to a certain extent. But when all you care about and your number one priority is kind of a foreign war that we're not even directly, uh, you know, a combatant in, uh, you're not you're, you're not worried anymore about facing the voters again, and I don't think he has. I think he knew this was going to be his final term. I mean, one of the interesting questions is uh, whether he's actually going to finish the term, right? Because he was just uh, what was he re- reelected in twenty or twenty two? I don't even know, but he's got at least a couple more years, and uh, you know. Maybe he'll do what, uh, you know, Robert C. Byrd did and step down as leader, but then go run the Appropriations Committee and dole out all the money. And, you know, of course, he's the senior member of that committee, even though he's never chaired it because he's always been the leader. So I don't don't know if he's going to stick around or or go, but um, I'd be pretty concerned about someone running appropriations who kind of has moved into that legacy mode. Phil, what is your sense of who who gets the job now? I mean, obviously, we're hearing a couple names being floated around. A lot of them seem to be kind of McConnell acolytes, huh? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think that um, it's pretty clear there, there are two major candidates for the job, I think, uh, John Barrasso and John Thune. And we, we may see Cornyn make a play for it, although I, I suspect that he'll end up uh, endorsing Thune because they're going to want to have one kind of you know establishment designated successor, and I think Thune's been running most of the Republican conference lunches anyway, so he's sort of been like de facto uh, in charge uh, already. And the question is, you know, can Barrasso organizing conservatives make a run at that? And I've seen a lot of these kinds of leadership fights, and usually the conservative gets you know 15 or 20 gets gets enough. To, to just lose. <laughs> so uh, I'm cynical enough to say it'll probably be John Thune, not John Barrasso. And then where's John Thune stand on Ukraine? Where does he stand on the border? Where does he stand on these things? Um, you know, I don't think he said anything publicly about being his number one top thing or anything like that. But I think that um, I think he voted against the bill to just fund Ukraine and not do anything about the border, which uh, probably he knew he had to. <laughs> in order to get elected. I'll go double-check that, but I think he did vote against it. 
By the way, speaking of the swamp, I know um, Montgomery County, Maryland, I saw you tweeted this out earlier today. I, I guess Montgomery County, Maryland, one of the richest zip codes in the entire country. I mean, literally one of the most expensive counties in the country, right outside of D.C. Uh, they are ending their sanctuary city, uh, sanctuary county status, finally. Yeah, pretty amazing. Uh, and same thing's happening in Denver announced this week. Same thing happening in New York City announced this week. And so I think some memo must have gone out to these, you know, very large, you know, million person plus hard left, uh, you know, 75, 80 percent Biden jurisdictions are suddenly saying, no, no, wait a second. We're going we're gonna to start honoring ICE detainers after all these years of flouting them. Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty interesting uh, kind of kind of piece of evidence that uh, even kind of the most hardcore left-wing people are kind of bowing to reality now on, uh, you know, the, the wave of illegal immigrant crime that we're dealing with, uh, you know, especially in these areas where they have refused uh, to comply with detainers. And so I think the, um, you know, the, the era of, you know, we're a proud sanctuary county and, you know, we're, we're never going to cooperate with federal officials, uh, I think that's ending in a lot of these areas, which, you know, I, I, I wish it hadn't taken what we've seen in the last few weeks for that to happen. But uh, sometimes kind of political realities can force the end of insane policies, uh, you know, that never should have existed, but, but, you know, went on way too long. And I think that's what we're seeing in some of these liberal areas. I mean, this guy, Mark Elrich, who runs Montgomery County, I mean, he's like, you know, I mean, he's pretty close to a communist. I mean, a guy, I've never seen a crazy far-left idea that he wasn't for. And then suddenly he comes out last night and says, oh, we're going to start honoring ICE detainers. So I suspect we're going to find out that some kind of memo went out and there was some polling and they decided they've got to, they've got to end the, uh, you know, the sanctuary city, sanctuary county thing. Well, hopefully when that happens, we can then get on to the bigger issue, which is ending Wendy's surge pricing. Because thank God. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're just going through the tweets. Yeah, I mean, this is like one of these classic uh, PR things. I mean, the CEO says on an investor call, uh, you know, we're going to do dynamic pricing. And some reporters like, yo, they're going to do surge pricing. And then yeah, Elizabeth Warren, oh, this is price gouging. We're going to shut them down. And then they're like, no, no, we meant discounts. Like, be careful what you say. Anything's going to get twisted. You know, it's uh, that's a instant classic. Uh, Elizabeth Warren and Chuck Schumer have never met a petty issue that they did not want to confront. Did, did you see my other favorite uh, story today out of California, by the way, speaking of fast food? That Gavin Newsom exempted Panera Bread from their minimum wage because they were a big campaign donor? Oh, I, I saw you tweeted about yeah. that, but I, I, I know is you that got a, run, Is that so. like an amazing new classic? So, you know, <laughs> the Panera Bread can pay 15 bucks, but like McDonald's and Wendy's and everyone, they got to pay 20 because they didn't pony up money to Gavin Newsom. It's a third world country in California. Listen, somebody has to put the, pay for that gel in the guy's hair. It ain't free. Phil Kirpin, <laughs> American Commitment. Always appreciate it, my friend. I know you got to bounce, but come back and see us again soon, okay? All right. Have a good one. Thank you, Phil. And this is the big story of the day brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. As we uh, continue along the show here, we have a lot of breaking news to get to in the 6 o'clock hour as well. I do want to give you a recap of Michigan. And um, I just the day has gotten away from us, Matt DeSantis. We, we have uh, all this show prep that we did, and it's all gone out the window because today <laughs> has just been... I don't even think I opened Evernote once today because of this. Oh, that's nice. News. I'm glad my hard work. Uh... I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have it open right now. In fairness, there has been breaking news basically every 30 minutes during the show. Yeah. yeah. 
This is why we love afternoons. That and the fact that we don't have to get up at 4 a.m. No, that is nice, yeah. That is nice. I'll tell you what. Um, we did have that Gavin Newsom story, and I was going to bring it to you. But um, let me just say that I'm so excited. We're going to be at the Grand Hotel in um, May. May. I mentioned that to Regina Gia. We're going to be there May 3rd. This happy hour, of course, our 5 o'clock happy hour, always brought to you by my happy place, the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. So come out and see us there. We'd love to see you at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. Um, all right, we got a lot more to get to before. You want me to take a break here? We'll come right back. Is that what you want me to do? Uh, Sean, how going? many minutes of commercial do we have here? Ooh, <laughs> nice amount of commercial. But, I mean, I feel like we could uh, take it going into the Move stuff to the well, six. Who cares? We can't move stuff to the six. Oh, come on, you two. Figure it out. We can't. Well, all right, let's... Let's go to break here. We'll try to get you one more quick segment before the How about the top I just keep going hour. and you just tell me when to stop? All right, that's you can do that as well. I thought you wanted another quick segment before I the top of the break. hour. I don't need a break. I don't need a break. No, I didn't know. See, you always keep messing with, with Matt Hombre. I'll, I'll keep going. I'll keep going as long as I can. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Uh, all right, but um, let me just say, uh, with regards to everything that you heard on Capitol Hill today, um, all of this. Um, I'll get into the mayor of uh, Athens, Georgia, in the six o'clock hour. What happened there? Of course, the mayor got confronted by a bunch of protesters. Um, another bribe that is happening with this administration is the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, is now they're going to start paying students through federal work study programs to register voters. So this is another scam that they're doing right now. The Biden administration finding another way to bribe people again. This is completely unconstitutional, but they love finding ways to use our money to get votes for Democrats. Cut number eight. We have been doing work to promote voter participation for students. And for example, we have um, under the federal work study program now allow students to get paid through federal work study to register people um, and to be nonpartisan poll workers. As we know, this is important for a number of reasons. One, to engage our young leaders in this process and, and activate them in terms of their ability to, to strengthen our communities. Yeah, of course, another way to get people registered as Democrats and voting. Um, speaking of Republicans who are useless, again, we have Representative Brian Fitzpatrick pushing Ukraine funding. He and Jared Golden, Democrat from, uh, where is that, Minnesota, joined CNN's Jake Tapper on Tuesday, or Maine, excuse me, to discuss their push to force a, a vote on more money for Ukraine. I mean, this is the stuff that infuriates me here. Cut number seven. Are there other Republicans that will join you in Golden, going around Speaker Johnson to force a vote on funding for Ukraine? Uh, there is. In fact, I spoke to several just last night. Um, and I, I wouldn't um, necessarily phrase this, Jake, as going around anybody. This is just to add a pressure point. You know, the politics are very, very tough, as you are well aware, uh, in the House. There's a two-vote margin in the House uh, for Republicans, a two-vote Democrat margin in the Senate um, on very, very tough, existential, time-sensitive issues. So we're not trying to circumvent or, or end-run anyone. Quite, quite to the contrary. We're trying to put an additional pressure point uh, on something that has to happen. 
No, it doesn't have to happen. Ukraine funding does not have to happen, Brian Fitzpatrick. We don't want it to happen. That's the point. Deal with the border, separate from Ukraine. Then have a debate on Ukraine. And watch as the vote fails because the American people have had it. We're, we're done. We're out. We're tapping out. No, that's not what we want. I am so tired of these Republicans who are putting Ukraine first over America. I really am. I'm so tired of that. And that's why it's good riddance to Mitch McConnell. Honestly, good riddance to him. Because like just like we talked about with my buddy Phil Kirpin, McConnell made it clear it was Ukraine first, not America first. And that's the problem. Uh, I'm, I'm just I'm sick of this. Republicans, wake the hell up. The voters do not want any more money going to Ukraine, period. End it. Deal with the border. Do your freaking job, please. Stop pushing this nonsense. I know the swamp is is making you do it, but stand up to them and say no and listen to the people. All right, we got a big six o'clock hour, fourth and final hour straight ahead. Don't go away. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. 
Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.